Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. These are just emotions, coming through the motions, to make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free, to love to tour and throw the key from whatever is holding me. All right, Eagles fans, it is week three of the preseason, which means it's week three of Eagles enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia, and I am thrilled to be joined by the one and only Kyle Barber from Baltimore Beatdown, SB Nation's Ravens blog. What's going on, man? Hey, not not much. Just uh, excited and getting ready for the regular season. I I assure you, you're feeling the same way, I bet. Absolutely. You know, these preseason games, like, it's a nice little teaser, but then, you know, you get five minutes into them, and it's like, all right, where's the real stuff? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly how I'm feeling. Um, You know, week three of the preseason is typically when we start to see some of the starters during the game. Um, but, you know, just take me through what's kind of been the vibe around the Ravens from your point of view and what you've been uh, kind of collecting for this this rendition of the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't say Lamar Jackson within the first sentence. I know that's <laughs> what everybody's focused on and excited about. So I'll start off with, with LJ. He's done really well. He practiced a bunch this offseason on his mechanics, on his throwing form, and becoming more consistent I spoke on it when the Ravens had joint practices with the Rams and I joined another podcast. It's all about finding consistency, throw after throw, you know, practice after practice, week after week, game after game, until it's season after season. And that's what has been the biggest primary focus for the Ravens, at least on offense. On defense, the excitement's really been with the addition of Earl Thomas and how their secondary is forming. They have unfortunately lost Tavon Young, the top slot cornerback position well player for the Ravens, and quite possibly the best in the NFL. Uh, you can definitely make the case for him. Uh, he just was lost for the season with a neck injury that they are debating on whether to go ahead with surgery on. But otherwise, the Ravens are looking sharp on offense and defense, and the focus has been the two stars, Lamar Jackson and Earl Thomas. Yeah, you know, there were some some key additions and some key subtractions to the Ravens this year. Uh, the biggest subtraction being C.J. Mosley in free agency. How do you think the Ravens' defense is going to look without him, you know, being in that linebacker position, kind of being one of those defensive captains out there, you know, week in and week out? Absolutely. Now, it is a loss for the Ravens no longer having C.J. Mosley. But with that being said, the Ravens are a linebacker factory. Very true. I think most NFL fans know. Uh, Ravens fans always praise it because they turn undrafted free agents into starters. They turn them into starter quality players. That happened with Bart Scott, happened with Jameel McLean, Danelle Ellerby, now Patrick Owasu, who is nicknamed Peanut. He's now taking over as the starting linebacker. Beside him, is Chris Board, another undrafted free agent who's now being into the starting role as the second linebacker. He has usurped Kenny Young, who was a fourth-round draft pick last year, and they're looking sharp, and it's been really impressive to watch as as Kenny, excuse me, not Kenny, Patrick has just stacked on muscle over this offseason. You can definitely tell that they 
they asked a lot of him when they knew that CJ wasn't going to re-sign for what they were hoping, I think, was around 10 to 13 million, I say, would be tops. But when the Jets offered nearly 17 and a half million AAV, they, they knew that they needed to get things switched up and, and take care of business by getting these guys prepped and ready for the regular season in 2019 with uh, a new group and a new set of starters. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about the offense and Lamar Jackson. The, the Ravens front office did a really good job surrounding him with some playmakers and some weapons this offseason, most notably in the draft. Uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown gets selected, uh, and then they also bring in Mark Andrews at the tight end position. Uh, how much do you think, you know, Lamar is going to benefit from some of these guys coming in after you said he's been working on his mechanics all offseason to really improve uh, with his throwing and everything, to have a guy like Marquise Brown and to have a tight end option as talented as a lot of people think Andrews is going to be, uh, how much of a benefit do you see that for Lamar Jackson? I find it as a great benefit. One of my favorite parts to your question, actually, is, you know, you mentioned Mark Andrews, but everybody seems to forget the first pick they had in the in last year's draft wasn't even for Lamar. It was, in fact, Hayden Hurst, who's also another tight end, who suffered from a foot injury, and then he had a screw in his foot all year. And we've seen players across the league for the last decade now, you know, when they get a screw in that foot, everything seems to fall off dramatically. I, I believe Julio Jones had it, and he wasn't playing as well one of those years. So not only do I have Mark Andrews, as you mentioned, but they have Hayden Hurst. They have Marquise Brown. Uh, Willie Sneed is returning to the Ravens offense, and he's one of the only familiar faces for Lamar. And they've already built a strong chemistry from last year, and it's good to see it carrying over into the next year. After that, they did draft Justice Hill, who is a running back in the, I believe, fourth round this year. He's a rookie. He's incredibly fast. And a lot of people have praised it. I believe Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah said it. Uh, they're building a track team around Lamar. He's fast, <laughs> and so they want to have fast players. You got Hollywood Brown. You have Justice Hill. Lamar is fast by himself. They have receivers with Willie Sneed who are fast but also strong. They drafted Miles Boykin. They picked up Mark Ingram in free agency. They built a lot of talented players around him, but there's definitely been an emphasis on the speed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you bring up Mark Ingram as well and, and Justice Hill. To kind of have those two guys in the backfield now where it seems like for the past few years the Ravens running back situation has almost been a turnstile. To know that there's kind of that solidified veteran who is proven in this league and then to bring in the rookie to learn from Mark Ingram as well, uh, kind of similar to how Alvin Kamara did when Mark Ingram was in New Orleans. Uh, how big do you think that is going to be for this offense and to just benefit Lamar Jackson being even more versatile to have his solidified running game behind him? Mark Ingram brings everything to the table, and he's going to be able to help Lamar in every single possible outlet, whether it is carrying the rock 20 times a game or if it's catching 5 to 10 passes out of the backfield because he has sure hands and he's an intelligent football player who knows how to run his routes and run them correctly and swiftly. Also, there's, you know, you got to be a pass blocker sometimes when you're in the backfield and you're in the gun. You got to get those to the other three receivers in the tight end. And Mark Ingram is smart and he's savvy. He knows how to make those blocks on the upcoming blitzes that maybe Lamar doesn't quite read correctly. You know, maybe he sees it off as a as a corner blitz and suddenly it's the weak side linebacker coming in. Ingram's going to be able to protect him. Also, Justice Hill, as I mentioned, he's an incredibly fast player, and that's all you need to really break off those big plays that Ravens fans haven't quite seen in the backfield until last year when it was such a 
difficult time for opposing defenses to try and figure out is Lamar going to carry it this time or what about next time what about the time after that and they saw Gus Edwards who was an undrafted free agent running back last year gash them repeatedly up the middle they saw Kenneth Dixon who came on late last year sort of breaking off five to ten yard runs 15 yard runs and now they have all four of those guys ready and willing to make those plays in the backfield they have a good combination of speed size veteran savvy and a young presence on the team all being able to coalesce into what we can see as the 2019 offense and one name I'm very intrigued by on the defense for the Ravens is Cyrus Jones. Tell me a little bit about him and what you're kind of expecting, uh, you know, as he heads into year four, I believe, out of Alabama uh, to be on this defense and really, you know, make a name for himself more than he already has. Man, I like these questions. They're not the run of the mill. <laughs> Who's your? Tell me about Earl Thomas. Tell me about Lamar. That's a good. That's a great name. Cyrus Jones has really come on in this last preseason and this training camp. I did attend for the first few weeks of training camp over in Owings Mills, and I watched him kind of grow into what everybody expected him to be. Uh, you know, maybe he was he was touted as that number one CB, that lockdown shutdown corner, but. More than anything, he's he's an, he's a very fast player. He's smart. He's incredibly agile, and that's why they use him as a return specialist in punt returns. And he's even taken some to the house, as everybody knows. But him as a as a slot corner is is what we're expecting. Well, uh, fans are expecting to see a lot out of. And I know the coaching staff is looking forward as well. They had him at corner at slot corner during the last preseason game. And with Tavon Young and that neck injury, as I mentioned previously, now Cyrus Jones is going to get a lot of reps in there. And if he doesn't, you can expect either Brandon Carr, who's going to rotate in with Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith on the outside to also be playing inside, or another Alabama cornerback by the name of Anthony Averett will also be receiving snaps. According to John Harbaugh today at the post-game presser, well, post-practice presser, mind you, they mentioned that Averett's going to get a lot of snaps inside. They're going to give him a good look and see where he's at in year two, and they're going to try and see where they go from it. But I really like what I've seen out of Cyrus Jones. I believe he makes the 53-man roster because of his specialty duties as well as his play as a cornerback. He got a pick six, I believe, in the first preseason game, and he's really coming on strong. Do you see kind of more of a bounce-back season for Jimmy Smith this year too? I I don't know. That's actually a really tough question. Uh, Jimmy is starting to get older. I believe he just turned 31, and he started to slow up just a little bit at the end. I'm a huge Jimmy Smith fan. I think my writing has definitely expressed that, and I've always been a supporter of him. I think he's definitely going to do nearly as well. I don't know if about bounce back uh, into where he looked like he was an all-pro. Most importantly, it's him staying healthy and staying on the field. He's always struggled with injuries from the Liz Frank fracture to I believe he had an ACL injury at one point he's really fighting to stay on the football field health-wise but once he's on there he looks just as good as as most top-end cornerbacks I don't see him as much of a an interception player he, he I believe the Ravens defense is really focused in the secondary on providing just stopping plays stop them from moving the chains you know of course the uh, you want to get those interceptions but the, the priority in, in football is stopping the opposing offense. It's not getting those takeaways. You know That's why other teams, they can gamble a lot, but when you gamble incorrectly and you do it 
you know, you make those few mistakes, three mistakes on gambling can end up with 14 or 21 points on the board for your opponent. And that's a, that's a big hill to climb. And uh, I don't know about Jimmy Smith. I think he'll do well. I want to see him really play well these first four games before I say he has a comeback here, but I believe he will play very well. I, I love it because I am a big Jimmy Smith fan too, and I want to see him succeed uh, as much as he possibly can, you know, throughout the the duration of his career that he has left. But uh, we talked about Lamar, obviously, but now is officially the first year of no Joe Flacco in Baltimore. What was kind of the the perception when he was traded uh, to Denver, and you know, finally moving on from from Joe Flacco? Uh, as for the fan perspective, you know, where you see it from social media and online outlets, there was a really strange mix of positive and negative feelings, which I felt were really quite surprising. Joe Flacco won a a Super Bowl trophy for Baltimore, their second within 20 years of existence as a franchise. He he took them to the playoffs, I believe his first five years in the NFL, and he battled through a lot. He was a tough player. He was a well-respected player. And yeah, he wasn't exciting, or he didn't have a lot of great you know comments or quotes for media. But I believe he was a fantastic player, and uh, it was a combination of his his ceiling not being as high as many thought with the cap space and the players involved that the, the front office surrounded him. But overall, I did see far more positives than negatives. And, you know, as soon as the negatives on Joe Flacco finished, suddenly everybody's being negative on Lamar Jackson, be it he only runs or the comments and jokes regarding him as only a running back. But most importantly, he brought the Super Bowl trophy to... Baltimore he let you know he helped Ed Reed win his championship Ray Lewis walked into the sunset holding a second Lombardi trophy and it's good to see Joe Flacco in Denver and and I believe most Ravens fans will agree that they want him to succeed just not beat the Ravens in a playoff game (laughs) definitely um and you know the the vibes out of joint practice this week you know the first joint practice for the Eagles this year uh with the Ravens in Philadelphia was you know the, the Ravens were doing a lot of running plays and kind of just running the ball to death, whether it was Mark Ingram or just running backs in general. Do you see that as kind of the the game plan, not only for this preseason game, but kind of the early on in the regular season until Lamar feels completely comfortable you know, with his new mechanics? I believe he's already comfortable. I've watched him in training camp, and I saw him throw highlight after highlight to Hayden Hurst or Mark Andrews, who seems to be his favorite target. I believe he is an NFL quarterback. I've seen him make all the throws of an NFL quarterback. It's only about the consistency, as I mentioned. you got to be able to make those throws on 45 out of 47 of those throws, you know, when you're, when you're going out there and airing it out. That being said, I do see the Ravens still running a run-heavy offense. Greg Roman's offense is certainly going to be focused on the running attack and being able to rotate in fresh legs from Mark Ingram Kenneth Dixon, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill to really just grind out defenses. So in the fourth quarter, those those defensive lines that are trying to get rotated in, just they don't have the fresh legs that you want. And by that time, the offensive line, you know, those guys those guys love run blocking. You ask Marshall Yonda when he was up at the podium, he, he said, you tell me that we're going to run the ball 30, 40, or 50 times a game, 
every offensive lineman's gonna gonna sign up for this offense. <laughs> I love it. He's like, I can't, I can't get enough of it. And uh, there was a joke on the sideline that was caught by NFL Films, I believe it was just or mic'd up, and uh, it was back when Flacco was still on the team, and and Yonda's like, oh yeah, you love this kind of stuff, don't you? Because they were throwing over 50 times a game. And he said, yeah, man, I'm all for it. And he said, man, and, and you could tell that Yonda would much prefer to go and hit somebody in the mouth than stand and try and stay off of his heels before he got flipped over from a bull rush. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch the offense for sure. But the balance is going to be a little bit more than many suspect. Don't don't think that Lamar Jackson's not capable of running or they want to keep him from running at all costs but I don't see them rushing him 27 times again like we've witnessed and breaking an NFL record in his first start for most rushing attempts by a quarterback. Yeah, that was my next question, too, um, for you, was to kind of see how you view John Harbaugh balancing this offense and figuring out, you know, the proper way to differ, you know, differentiate between when it's time to throw, when it's time to run, with all the weapons that have been brought in um, and getting – that deep threat with uh, with Marquise Brown in there as well to help Lamar kind of stretch the field a bit. I think that's going to be huge for him. But how do you see John Harbaugh, you know, splitting this up so it is a balanced offense and it's not just, you know, one-dimensional where teams can kind of key on what they're going to be doing throughout a game? John Harbaugh is a, a very intelligent coach. He's a highly successful coach. He has one of the best winning percentages in the NFL for current head coaches, I believe. And that's for good reason. He has a good team, and he's helped build a good team and coach a team into their success. He's definitely going to be able to maneuver and navigate this offense into successful positions, along with Greg Roman being a part of it. And I think the big thing is just not handicapping yourself, if you want my personal opinion. Don't don't be worried about running Lamar, but also understand you can't put him into uh, volatile situations. Yes, he can be able to break outside, and you saw it against the Green Bay Packers when he dodged two tacklers and hurtled over a third as he ran into the end zone. But at the same point, you can't tell him don't run no matter what, don't always run. It's it's a lot on the players, but the Ravens are going to find successful uh, positions to put these players in and get the results that they hope for in, in balancing the rushing attack trying to get the football in the hands of Marquise Brown, trying to get as many touches for Mark Andrews as he continues to sh- demonstrate top five tight end ability. It, it's going to be a, a unique offense to watch because there's a lot of more moving pieces than we've seen in years past. Uh, there was a lot of hype when the Ravens had Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, and Brashad Perryman, but none of those guys really lasted a full 16 games, maybe other than Mike Wallace. You know, Jeremy Macklin looked like he had phoned it in by the end, and Brashad Perryman continued to not produce results that the team had hoped for. And now you get to see another instance of a lot of potential. I talk about this a lot when when I'm writing. It's all about turning potential into production. You can have all of these five-star recruits or these top draft picks, but you've got to be able to transform that potential into production. And they got a lot of it right now. Let's see what they can do during a 16-game season. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I do have to ask, though. You know, you talked about the Ravens being a, a linebacker, you know, factory. They seem to be a kicker's factory, too. 
I just wanted to pick your brain about that, and what is it that the Ravens are able to just find these talented kickers and then be able to flip them to other teams and they go on to have success? I had the fortune last year of snagging a one-on-one interview with special teams coordinator Jerry Rosberg before he retired this offseason. And he and I spoke for about 15 minutes, and I actually asked him just that question. I said, something's going on in this in this building that isn't going on in, in 31 other buildings in this league. You guys have all of these secrets. It's clear that you guys have found something that other NFL teams quite haven't done that. And I was like, and I know you can't tell me the secrets, but can you let me in on what's going on just a little bit so we can understand? And, and, and Jerry said, one, thank you for the high praise, but... Uh, he gave me an. He said we have a we have an idea and a philosophy on what we what how we like to how we see kicks how we see punts and how we see snaps. There is a philosophy and a certain correct form that they appreciate and that they seek out. And when they find those players, that's when they bring them in there because they know that they can make them better players. Stephen Hauschka went through the the Ravens building. Graham Cano went through the Ravens facility. Uh, as you know, Justin Tucker has over a 90% completion rate, and I'm a huge nerd for special teams. You can see my articles. I actually wrote the NFL Kicking Crown, in which you can see not only just what the all-time percentages are, but from the distance that they're completing them, from their average missing distance. So you can see the range on all of these guys, and it's clear that they found them because not only is Justin Tucker the number one in all-time field goal percentage, but he's doing it from longer distances than any other NFL kicker. So clearly they found and figured this stuff out. Uh, Rosberg also gave me an example, and he said, you mentioned Trent Sieg earlier, who was a long snapper out of Colorado State uh, as an undrafted free agent, and now he's the long snapper for the Raiders going on to year two of his contract. He just resigned. And he said, we knew that Trent Sieg was a bigger player. You know, he's almost built like a linebacker. He's like 220, 240. He's like 6'1", 6'2". And he, he snaps the ball really well. He has good form. He's an incredibly smart player. He graduated with a mechanical engineering degree out of CSU. So they find these players, and they certainly are searching for specific tendencies and form and, and things that they believe they can build up into success. And that's why Corey Vedvik just was traded from the, the Ravens. He was the backup kicker, obviously was not going to make the roster over Justin Tucker, but now he's getting traded and he's going to kick for the Minnesota Vikings, and the Ravens earned a fifth-round draft pick out of just building this kid into uh, what could be a successful NFL kicker. Yeah, and you even saw you know with Will Lutz. You know, he's the, the mm-hmm. guy that John Harbaugh talked about. Uh, you know, Sean Payton owes him, owes him for that one. Um, yeah, that's actually something I forgot to touch up on. Thank you. Uh, Will Lutz is, I believe, fourth in all-time field goal percentage. He just crossed the the minimum threshold. I think it's 100 NFL kicks you have to take before you can be listed on the all-time field goal percentage. And he just crossed that threshold last year, and he's fourth all-time at 87%. So clearly these the, the team, be it Randy Brown, who is the kicking specialist, their special teams coordinator, who is now Chris Horton, and the entire franchise, and, and John Harbaugh being a special teams coach himself, they have a lot of input on this, and they're finding things that they know are working, and they're doing it ahead of other NFL teams. That was my next, I was going to say, it has to stem from John Harbaugh's special teams background when he was with the Eagles, knowing the ins and outs of what he wants on a special teams unit. Oh, 100%. And, and they also have other players that 
they have on the franchise, you know, on their roster, specifically for their special teams abilities and their their play on offense or defense. Second, Anthony Levine is a special teams ace, and he's a veteran in the NFL. He knows everything, and he's practically a coach while being able to be suited up onto the field, and and he knows the ins and outs, and therefore he stays on the roster because of his special teams ability, but he can also play dime and linebacker. Uh, they had Albert McClellan for many years until they just couldn't find a, a spot on him, and they, they, they needed a different roster spot for someone somewhere else, and he had lost a step as a linebacker. And then he went off to sign with the New England Patriots and win a Super Bowl, so... They have these guys specifically catered for special teams, and it certainly stems from John Harbaugh and the rest of the, of the franchise. Yeah, you know, as we head into Thursday night in this matchup where we're going to see, you know, a, a decent portion of guys that could be starting on opening day uh, for the Ravens and the Eagles, what are some things that you're most looking forward to seeing from this Ravens team, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams, going up against an Eagles team that is just two years removed from a Super Bowl and looks poised to go on another Super Bowl run. Yeah, on offense, I was really hoping to focus on the offensive line, and now it's news has come out. You know, after yesterday's practice, Ronnie Stanley was injured, who's the starting left tackle. Jermaine Illuminor was eventually carted off the field, which is rather worrisome, and he was slated to be the starting left guard, and he's also the backup left tackle. So the Ravens are rather down on their offensive line right now. Marshall Yonda isn't expected to play until uh, week one of the regular season. Uh, so all of the the big focus that I had last week is no longer here. So I'll, I'll try and figure out something else to look at. Uh, the running back situation is something I'm focusing on. Kenneth Dixon is on many people's uh, 53-man predictions, either the 53rd or 54th man on the roster, and we're seeing if he's going to get cut or make the team. He, he's the second most talented running back on the roster, but they ha- he has a lot of value that maybe they could find elsewhere or they can just have with Mark Ingram and the other two, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. On defense, I really am focused in on the linebacker situation. Chris Board was the second starting linebacker besides Peanut, and Board suffered a concussion. So now they have Kenny Young as their uh, second man on the field. And then there's also Otaro Alaka, who is an undrafted free agent and looks poised to be the next in a long history of, of successful UDFA linebackers with the team. But he just finished suffering an injury as well over these joint practices. So it's going to be tough to see where that goes. Uh, the question you asked earlier was Cyrus Jones and the slot cornerback position is something I'll be focusing in on because, uh, you know, he's going to take a lot of reps there. And so is Anthony Averett. Those are the big focuses I have right now. Do you think we'll see a lot of Lamar Jackson on Thursday night and, uh, you know, his new weapon in, in Marquise Brown? Because there have been some reports that John Harbaugh still thinks that he's a little bit a ways away from being where they want him to be. So do you think they'll uh, they'll throw him out there for a longer period of time on Thursday night? I don't think so, uh, especially if, if Ronnie Stanley and Jermaine are both out. You don't want to put your starting quarterback in a situation where uh, his two primary blockers on the left side of the field are, are no longer even on there. He might still be out there for a couple series, but it'll really depend on the health of, of Stanley, who has reportedly had his ankle wrapped. And as I mentioned, Jermaine was carted off yesterday's practice. 
As for Hollywood Brown, he did miss today's practice. It wasn't with uh, an injury. He was on the sideline wearing his uniform, but he just wasn't suited up and playing. They're really trying to take this one slow because when they drafted Brashad Perryman, he injured his knee, and he, it felt like he was kind of being rushed back, and then he wasn't, and then he was kind of being rushed back, and then he wasn't, and the media was asking day after day, when's he going to be back? And if, I believe there was a lot of pressure from the media to that affected the, the timeline of, of Brashad Perryman's return and eventually led to his lack of success with the Ravens franchise. But I don't think they'll have Hollywood Brown out there this week. It's all a part of him getting there. They want him ready for week one, not for preseason week three. Very true. You want to have as many of your uh, available options for a young quarterback out there as possible. Um, what are some matchups, though? You know, you talked about positional groups that you're looking at, but what are, what are some matchups? It could be, you know, those same groups that you're looking for to kind of see some of these guys that are on the fringe of making the roster, you know, really make a push in this third preseason game to get over that hump and, and prove they deserve to be on this Ravens team against this Eagles uh, offense or defense. Yeah, the, uh, the Ravens defensive line isn't completely sorted out yet. Uh, as I mentioned with Kenneth Dixon, he's the running back, and I know that's different. Uh, the, the big battles that I see on the roster for that final spot on the roster is Kenneth Dixon, the running back. It's Zach Sealer, who is a defensive lineman, and was the seventh-round draft pick last year, which was Ozzy Newsom's last draft pick in the NFL. And then there's also uh, Jaleel Scott, who is a wide receiver, um, big name out of New Mexico State uh, a year ago. And these guys are all fighting for what feels like that final roster spot. And maybe some injuries land these guys on the roster because there's a few of them banged up, as I mentioned, but those are the ones that you really want to focus in on. So the defensive line's really trying to uh, set the tone, and especially against a what I believe is a pretty strong Eagles front, you know, front five. Uh, that that's going to be a big focus, and uh, whether or not Zach Sealer can really make that roster at the uh, at the five tech, that's going to be a big thing of focus. Yeah, it's funny because I'm I'm also very much looking forward to seeing this Eagles defensive line being the the depth portions of it, uh, just continuing to go out out there and, and perform the way they have especially uh, Deshaun Hall is a name that Ravens fans, I'm sure, are going to uh, hear a lot about after Thursday night. He has been absolutely tearing it up this preseason for the Eagles, so I'm excited to see him potentially get in there against some starters for the Ravens and see what he can actually do uh, You know, when it comes to the pass rush because he's been an absolute force getting to the quarterback, so that's something that I'm keeping my eye on as well. Mm-hmm. One other uh, unit that I am looking at is the depth at the outside linebacker position. Right now there's Pernell McPhee and Matt Judon as the starters, but there's also Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams, who were a pair of draft picks two seasons ago, that are really looking on to get going. Uh, Joe Cullen, who's the defensive line coach, was asked whether or not it's time, you know, if the clock is ticking on those two to really make a name for themselves and start producing for the team. And Colin actually uh, was was with a surprising answer, you know, went, oh, the time's up on them. They got to do it right now. The time is right now. This is when they have to start setting it the tone. And both of them kind of stepped up to the challenge. Tyus Bowser's looked pretty sharp. Tim Williams looks great. He's the linebacker out of Alabama. He was a big edge rusher for them. And, you know, he, they kind of got squished down 
from the from the depth of years past with Terrell Suggs and Judon on the roster. And it's time for them to start making a name for themselves. And that's going to be something you really want to watch is for Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams battling it off the edge. And also Shane Ray, who is somehow the sixth outside linebacker, you know, playing in these preseason games behind the new rookie Jalen Ferguson as well. So watch for the outside linebackers. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game, to say the least, especially after these two teams going at it in practice uh, all week long. But uh, Thursday night, Eagles-Ravens for the third preseason game. Kyle, it's been an absolute blast. And also, have to say, you are the first Kyle to be a guest on this show. So big props and uh, a big milestone for Underground Sports Philadelphia to have the second Kyle on the show. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I was thrilled to join the podcast. Thank you so much, Kyle. Let everybody know where they can also follow you, read all your work, and uh, keep up to date with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely. So the website, go to baltimorebeatdown.com. My personal Twitter handle is at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber, and the main handle is at bmorebeatdown.com. If you do end up having some Ravens fans that want to tune into the podcast or Eagles fans that want to hear what's going on a little bit on, uh, you know, across uh, the state line, you can go to our podcast, Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It's on iTunes and all the fine stuff where you find this podcast, I assume. And their Twitter handle is at Podcast Beatdown. Thank you so much for having me on, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And who knows, you know, maybe in February, if things tick right for both of our teams, we'll be talking a, uh, a Super Bowl uh you know preview show man you can schedule me on that right now (laughs) thanks a lot kyle really appreciate you jumping on this week absolutely thank you again gotta thank kyle for jumping on eagles enemies this week um it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun this matchup with the eagles and the ravens uh at the link if you guys are going to the game let us know let us know where you're uh gonna be posted up tailgate wise in the in the stadium wise all that good stuff um but, you know, go enjoy the game. This game's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we're going to see some Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. And uh, Cyrus Jones, man, he is one of my favorite non-Eagles. And I think he's going to be a real, real ball hawk kind of game changer in that slot for the Ravens this year. So keep an eye on him. And uh, make sure you guys are following Kyle on Twitter. He does a lot of great work for Baltimore Beatdown. And uh, really, really, really appreciative of him coming on the show this week and Make sure you guys are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know what you think this final score is going to be between the Eagles and Ravens. And let us know what you think of Kyle and if he should be back if uh, the Eagles and Ravens are in the Super Bowl. And if you haven't already, upgrade your phone to an to an iPhone so you can leave those five-star ratings and reviews. But if you haven't, we are on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there for you. We are a podcast for the people. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. We'll have in-game updates uh, on Thursday for the game, so make sure you are following us there. Shout out to everybody that uh, came through on that follow train and got us to over 2,000 followers. Really means a lot to us because we are trying to grow Underground Sports Philadelphia into this giant community. And, uh, you know, it starts with Twitter, obviously, in today's day and age. So thank you guys um, for that. And follow us on Instagram as well at UndergroundPHI. And uh, we'll be back here next week for the fourth and final preseason game before the regular season gets started, which is when the real fun begins. We can get into matchups and predictions with our guests and everything like that. We have a big 
awesome guest list lined up this season. I am so excited, guys. You have no idea. Um, but again, thanks to Kyle. Make sure you're following him on Twitter and read his stuff at Baltimore Beatdown, the Ravens SB Nation blog. They do a fantastic job over there. And uh, Kyle will definitely be back on anytime the Eagles and Ravens match up. But until next time, guys, until next week when we take on the Jets in that final fourth preseason game, my name's Kyle Bennett. We are signing off for Eagles Enemies Season 2, Episode 3. Peace.